Let us now turn to what we confess in our confessions. And first of all, we will read from the Canons of Dort before we turn to the Heidelberg Catechism. Canons of Dort, Chapter 5, Article 6, 7, and 8. I'm sorry, 5, 6, and 7. So first, Article 5, page 566. There we find God's Word summarized as follows. In Article 5, the heading has the effects of such serious sins. By such gross sins, however, they greatly offend God, incur the guilt of death, grieve the Holy Spirit, suspend the exercise of faith, severely wound their consciences, and sometimes for a while lose the sense of God's favor until, we, until they return to the right way through sincere repentance and God's fatherly face again shines upon them. Article 6, God will not permit his elect to be lost. For God, who is rich in mercy according to the unchangeable purpose of his election, does not completely withdraw his Holy Spirit from his own even in their deplorable fall. Neither does he permit them to sink so deep that they fall away from the grace of adoption and the state of justification or commit the sin unto death or the sin against the Holy Spirit and totally deserted by him plunge themselves into eternal ruin. And finally, Article 7, God will again renew his elect to repentance for in the first place, in their fall, he preserves in them his imperishable seed of regeneration so that it does not perish and is not cast out. Further, through his word and spirit, he certainly and effectually renews them to repentance. As a result, they grieve from their heart with a godly sorrow for the sins they have committed. They seek and obtain through faith with a contrite heart forgiveness in the blood of the mediator. They again experience the favor of a reconciled God and adore his mercies and, f and faithfulness. And from now on, they more diligently work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. And now let's read from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 20. And as you know, in Lord's Day 20, we have the continuance of the explanation of the Apostles' Creed now with the statement of the Apostles' Creed, the Holy Spirit. And so here we find God's Word summarized as follows. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, he is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Second, he is also given to me to make me by true faith share in Christ and all his benefits, to comfort me and to remain with me forever. After the sermon, we will sing of the Holy Spirit, as we find in hymn 37, the stanzas 2, 3, and 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, includes you too, boys and girls, what evidence is there of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you full of the Holy Spirit? 
No doubt there are times in your life when you feel the wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit. Things are going well for you. You are happy to be alive. You are happy to be a child of God. You feel him guiding you and leading you. Things are going well for you. You feel that you have things under control. But there are also other moments, moments of despair, moments that you don't feel as good. You don't feel God's presence because of what is happening in your life. You wonder where God's spirit is. You wonder, perhaps, even if you ever had his spirit. For some of you may never feel the presence of God's spirit at all, or at least you think so. You don't feel anything. You feel empty. And you look at your life and at what you have done, including all those secret sins, and you're full of despair. You're glad that others don't know about those secret sins of yours. For you are fully aware that many of the things happening in your life do not show the fruit of the Spirit, but instead they show the fruit of the devil. You think about what Paul says in Romans 8, verse 8, that those who were controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Well, you think to yourself, that's me. I'm controlled by my sinful nature. I'm not worthy. And you look at others who seem to be full of God's spirit. They're full of joy about the Lord and can easily speak about their faith. They're loving and caring and seem to have all things together. You may even wonder about those who belong to Pentecostal churches, for example, or to charismatic movements within evangelical churches, such as the Alliance churches or other Baptist churches. They accuse us as Reformed people of not having this, the Spirit in the same measure as they do. They look down on us and think that we are inferior Christians. They even make distinctions amongst themselves. There are those amongst them who have received the gifts, the charisma of the Holy Spirit, and those who have not. The latter still have to come to that higher level. Perhaps you too think there is some truth to that. We have to come to some higher level and that there are superior and inferior Christians. Well, it is indeed true that we must be full of the Holy Spirit. But what does that mean? That's what we will look at this afternoon. The theme is as follows. Be full of the Holy Spirit. And we will see that in order to be full of the Holy Spirit, you have to know three things. You have to know in the first place, that he is true and eternal God. In the second place, that he makes us children of God. And finally, that he remains with us forever. I'll state it once again. Be full of the Holy Spirit. First, he is true and eternal God. Second, he makes us children of God. Finally, he remains with us forever. Is it true that we do not pay enough attention to the Holy Spirit in our churches? That is what some people criticize us for. Look at, for example, the way that the doctrine about the Holy Spirit is dealt with in the Heidelberg Catechism. It's very short. It is the shortest Lord's Day of all the 52 Lord's Days. 
And so it appears that in our confessions, the Holy Spirit only gets some very scant treatment. Compare that to the Lord's Days dealing with the second person of the Trinity, with the Son. The Lord's Days 11 through 19 all deal with some aspect of the being and the work of the Son. Also, the first person of the Trinity, the Father, is dealt with much more extensively. In the Lord's Days 9 and 10, we have three very extensive questions and answers which tell us about who he is and what he does. Now, this is due, of course, to the way that the Apostles' Creed itself is worded. About the Holy Spirit, it says nothing more than this, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so, is it true that we do not pay enough attention to the Holy Spirit? Well, please note that after our confession about the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the church, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting is dealt with. And these matters all come under the heading of the Holy Spirit, because you might have noticed that Lord's Day 20 above it has that heading. Now, do you know why that is? And that is because without the Holy Spirit, you would not have any of the other things, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection, etc. And that is why the Heidelberg Catechism deals with those matters under the heading of the Holy Spirit. For you see, God exists in three persons. And each person of the Trinity has a special function. The function of the Holy Spirit is to apply those wonderful gifts to us, to hand them over to us. Of course, it is the work of the triune God, but when it comes to the work of that handing it over, then especially the Holy Spirit is mentioned. And he does that and is able to do that because the Holy Spirit is God. He is one of the persons of the Trinity. After all, he is, as the Catechism says, together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. And so in reality, the Holy Spirit gets very extensive treatment. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is mentioned 28 times in the Heidelberg Catechism? Oh, sure, the Holy Spirit is somewhat in the background, but that's also the case in the Scriptures. For it is exactly the nature of the Holy Spirit. Someone once compared the Holy Spirit to a floodlight. Floodlight is used in order to accentuate and show off a beautiful building, for example. When floodlights have been properly installed, then you won't even notice where the light comes from. Those lights will be hidden in the grass and in the bushes. For the accent is on the building with all its beautiful aspects of, and fine features against the background of the darkness. Well, that is how the Holy Spirit works with regard to the Father and the Son. He highlights their work. He's doing that right now. And not only does he highlight the work of the Father and the Son, as I said, he also applies that to the believer. Look at Lord's Day 19. There we are taught that Christ is now seated at the right hand of God, from where he shall come again. That is where the Son of God is now. But that did not mean that we would be left alone. No, the Son would also send his Holy Spirit 
to pour out Christ's heavenly gifts. That is also what he promised when Christ ascended into heaven. He said, as we know from John 16, verse 7, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, Christ himself was the first Counselor. The Greek word is parakletos. It is much richer than our English word. A parakletos is a comforter. Sometimes it also means advocate or mediator or intercessor or helper. Christ was all those things while he was on earth and much and much more. But when he ascended into heaven, he was no longer on earth. What he did would have meant nothing at all if he had taken all those benefits with him when he ascended into heaven. If he had done these things just for himself. No, those benefits, they had to be handed out to those who believed. And that's why he sent his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is sent to each and every believer. That was quite a radical teaching at the time of the Reformation. For such is not taught by the Church of Rome. Rome taught that the Holy Spirit was given only to the Church. You had to believe what the Church taught. For only the church knew the truth. The people did not have the spirit of God. They were not able to understand the will of God. Only the ordained clergy could understand and interpret the will of God. And God's gifts could also only be received through the church. They were handed out through the sacraments. Through the bread, God's grace was poured into you. But now note what the catechism says. It says... He is also given to me. That's a personal confession. And so, that is, he is given to each and every one of you, personally. And note well that there are no distinctions made here. It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit is only given to a few members of the church, or that he is given in a special way to certain members in the church. It doesn't say that he is given just to the minister or to the elder or to the deacon. He is not just given to some special people in our midst. No, he is given to me, period. That's also what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13. He writes there, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Paul makes no distinction. It is not true, as those charismatic movements state, that a Christian needs a second blessing. That after after your first conversion and regeneration, you need yet a second blessing from the Holy Spirit. They use as support for this several passages in the New Testament where people who were baptized with the baptism of John also received the baptism of the Holy Spirit later. They are referring to what Lord Jesus said, for example, in Acts 1, verse 5, For John baptized with water, 
but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. According to the Pentecostals, at Pentecost, the crowd present there received that second blessing. And that's when they received certain gifts, including the gifts of tongues. They also point to other passages, including Acts 11, verse 16, where Peter tells the other apostles what happened in the home of Cornelius. He said, Then I remember what the Lord has said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But, brothers and sisters, these passages deal with what happened at the beginning of the time that the New Testament church was established. At that time, they did not yet have the fullness of God's word. And then the Holy Spirit came directly to many of them. But even in the case of Cornelius, we do not see that he received the Holy Spirit as a second blessing. No, he was converted, and at the same time, also the Holy Spirit came to him. It doesn't say that he needed a second blessing after this. And that is the way it always happens in the New Testament. Once you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, then you are a child of God. You are his special child. That's the way it is for everyone. The Lord God does not have more or less special members. We're all the same. God does not want any of us to boast or to be haughty and think that we have been given something that somebody else does not have. No, he hands out his gifts evenly. As Paul says, we are all baptized by the Holy Spirit. For how does the Holy Spirit come to us today? Well, the most important way that the Holy Spirit comes to us is through God's word. He comes together with the Word. You cannot separate the Word from the Holy Spirit. Oh, sure, the Holy Spirit's work is greater than the Bible. But he communicates with you through the pages of the Bible. And that Holy Spirit was given to you and promised to you already at the time of your baptism. Listen to what the form of for the baptism of children says, when we are baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit assures us by the sacrament that he will dwell in us and make us living members of Christ, imparting to us what we have in Christ, namely the cleansing from our sins and the daily renewal of our lives, till we shall finally be presented without blemish among the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. The Holy Spirit makes us living members of Christ. And that work begins already after your birth, right after your birth. Romans 8 verse 14 says that through the Spirit we are made sons or children of God. We come to the second point. The Holy Spirit has been with you since birth if you have been brought up in a Christian family. He has spoken to you since the time you were in the cradle. He spoke to you through your parents and through your teachers. And he does it also today. He does not stop speaking to you. Oh, it is not so that the Holy Spirit speaks to you directly so that you can hear him directly from heaven. No, 
We have God's word and that is enough. That is how he spoke to the prophets in the Old Testament. And he told them what to pass on to the people. He gave the Holy Spirit for the benefit of the church. But now we have the complete word of God. We have all we need to know. And so are you afraid that you do not have the Holy Spirit within you? Well, when you have God's word within you, then you also have God's Holy Spirit within you. You do not need a separate voice from God to tell you that you belong, that you are more special than someone else. It is through faith that you belong to Christ. Listen to what it says in John 1 verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When you believed, God's spirit took residence in you. That even includes the little children here in this church. Little children easily speak of their faith, don't they? And of being a child of God. It is through the Holy Spirit only that they can say these things. For they have been given God's word. Isn't that true, boys and girls? Don't you love the Lord Jesus? Of course you do. Do you know what that means for you and for all of us? It also means that you are special. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, God through his word, God himself dwells in you. And that is how close he is to you and to me. He could not be any closer. And it is very important to realize that. To realize how close he is. For Satan is also close. We see his evil deeds all around us. And we experience his evil deeds in our own flesh. And sometimes he makes us doubt. He starts that when we are young Satan whispers in the ears of children already that God does not really exist. And if he did, why wouldn't you see him? Why would you not hear him? Why does he not protect you from harm? Why does he allow evil to happen in your life? And those are the kinds of things that Satan wants you to question already when you are young. You know, when you have a fruit, you are told that there are vitamins in there. And when you slice open an orange, can you see those vitamins? No, you can't. But you know that they are there. And you are told that there is nutrition in food. How do you know that? It is when you grow through the food that you realize where the nutrition is. God is all around you. And he makes you grow. He makes you grow in him. He makes you grow in your faith. But you need to be told what God says himself to you about these things. He tells us why we cannot see him directly. You see, if we saw God with our own eyes, we would die. And that is because we are sinful people. But he leaves a great amount of evidence around to tell you that he does exist. 
Just look at his creation with your eyes and your heart wide open. Anyone can see that such a creation could not have come about on its own. Almighty God has made it all. Think about what it means to be a son or a daughter of your Heavenly Father. Just compare your Heavenly Father to your earthly father for a moment. What kinds of things can you do with your father? Or what kinds of things can he do for you? Well, you can ask your father for help. When you are small and you are in trouble or something needs fixing, then you can ask him for help. Daddy, I need you. And you can do that also as you become older. Your father is always there to help you, to see to it that you do not come to harm, to see to it that you are fed and clothed. When you are in a tight spot, you can say, Daddy, help me. I'm in trouble. But now, what about your heavenly father? Well, you can do the same thing with him, except in a much more meaningful way. For sometimes earthly fathers are harsh and not very understanding. They tend to be selfish and to look at their own interests first. But that is never the case with your heavenly father. He is a perfect father. But do you know how you can go to him for help? You see, it's only through the Holy Spirit that you can do that. The Holy Spirit enables you to do that. For through the Holy Spirit you believe. It is only through the Holy Spirit that you can call upon his name. That's what we read together in Romans 8. But if you do not have the right spirit within you, with regard to your earthly father, for example, then you will not receive his help either. For when you have the wrong spirit, then you do not want your father's help. It is our nature to want to be independent. When you have the wrong spirit within you, then you do not want to admit that sometimes you need your father for his help and guidance. You can do without him. For you do not like the way he instructs you, or you do not want to do what he says, and your words and your actions show that that's what you really think. And when you act in that way, when you have that kind of spirit within you, then you can't be very close to your father either. Then you become like strangers to each other. Well, now, the same thing is true with your heavenly Father. The right spirit must be within you, a willing spirit, a trusting spirit, God's spirit. There are those who read their Bible and who come to church, but who do not believe. Year in, year out, they warm the pews, yet they are without faith. Do you know why that is? That is because they have resisted God's spirit. They only go through the motions. And remember, that, and remember that God's spirit is not just some power that emanates from him. No, God's spirit is God himself. And so when you resist God's spirit, then you resist God. And that's what we can learn from the Charismatics and the Pentecostals. They react against a dead faith in the church. And so in our church, we have to make sure that we are not dead in our faith, but alive. And that we use those gifts of the Holy Spirit for the benefit of our neighbor and for the benefit of God and his kingdom. 
And that is why we also go to where God's word is proclaimed in its fullness so that we can apply God's word in our lives. For it is through God's word and His Holy Spirit that we are convicted of our sins and that we are made alive again. And that's why it is so important that we go to church twice every first day of the week. For the church is the workshop of the Holy Spirit. And that is, especially, that is where especially you hear His voice. Do you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? It is in the church that you are strengthened in your faith and confidence. The Holy Spirit time and again convinces you that God exists and that He only has your welfare and your salvation in mind. God's Spirit weakens our resolve to follow our flesh. With the Holy Spirit, we would not pray either to our Father who is in heaven. We need God's Holy Spirit in order to be able to do that. For else, we would not feel like it. And then we would go our own way. And then we would live as if God does not exist. God's Holy Spirit prepares our hearts. It's a good thing, beloved, that the Lord God does not allow us to act according to our feelings alone. For our feelings are such a poor barometer. Our feelings may even persuade us that God is speaking directly to us, whereas it could be Satan speaking to us. When you go by your feeling, then you go up and down like the atmospheric pressure. Then it all depends upon the way the wind is blowing. It's not so that God doesn't use your feelings. Feelings are important. But your feelings always have to be in tune with the will of God. When we feel lonely or depressed, when we think we do not have a friend in the world, or when our health is failing or our business is failing, or when our enemies attack us and they do not stop, then it is so wonderful to be able to cry Abba, Father, Daddy, I feel so low and rejected. I'm so afraid. I'm afraid for myself, for my children, for my grandchildren. I fear what is happening in the church. There are so many things that concern me. I need you. Please speak to me. Please comfort me. I know that you can hear me, for you have given me your spirit. And my spirit is bearing witness with your spirit. You have united my spirit with your spirit. And I know that all things are in your hands. Oh, thank you, Father. And when you speak to your heavenly Father in that way, then great peace comes over you. You ever notice that in the Psalms? The psalmist starts out with despair and then he comes to the answer himself because he is speaking to God and God reminds him of his faithfulness, of his covenant. Then you realize once again that you are in God's strong arms and you know, and that brings us to our final point, that God's spirit will never leave you. For that's what it says also in this Lord's Day. It says that he has given to me to remain with me forever those words were taken right from the mouth of Christ himself for he said as we know from John 14 to 16 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. And then he continues, The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Once the Holy Spirit gets hold of you, then he will not let you go. As we also read together in our confessions in the Canons of Dort, in chapter 5, verse 6, But God, who is rich in mercy according to the unchangeable purpose of his election, does not completely withdraw his Holy Spirit from his own, even in their deplorable fall. There may be times where you are in despair, where you don't feel or see God's Spirit in your life, but God does not just leave you alone. Where would you be without the Spirit of God? Would you call upon Him? Would you serve God and give glory to Him? Would you be saved? No, we would be utterly lost. It doesn't mean that we don't have responsibility. We do. We may not grieve the Holy Spirit. We may not quench the Spirit either, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19. We may not banish God's Spirit from our hearts. Time and again, God's people have done that. Think of the church at Laodicea. They were neither hot nor cold. And God spit that church out of his mouth. He rejected those stubborn and rebellious people. But what do you think would happen if they had repented and once again wanted to listen to God's word? Then God would not have rejected them. He does not reject anyone who seeks him. Not even the greatest of all sinners. And he never rejects his elect. Think of David in that regard. David sinned in the most horrible way. He committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed in battle. God hung on to him. He hung on to him because he did not want God to reject him. David wanted God's spirit to remain with him. And that's why we could also sing earlier with David. Renew my spirit. Make it strong again. Let not me from thy Holy Spirit sever. And think about Peter. Satan wanted to claim him. God sent his spirit to strengthen and sustain him in his faith. Peter denied his Lord and Savior three times, but he repented. He was sorrowful. God did not take his spirit away. On the contrary, he poured out his spirit also on Peter at the time of Pentecost and how he witnessed. And beloved, God will also do that for you. His Holy Spirit will not leave you if you truly want to live in obedience to him. God's Spirit will always be there to comfort you, to strengthen you, to sanctify you, to make you a new creature. Even in death, he will not leave you, as it says further on in Romans 8. No, at that time he will really draw near to you, and he will speak to you directly and say to you, You have come home. You have come home to the Father. And with him and with his Holy Spirit, you will dwell forever. Nothing and no one can hurt you any longer. 
What a wonderful God we have. Amen.